Hey, my friends, we will be right back to the show, but I have a question for you. Are you struggling with the impact of childhood trauma? Well, know that you're not alone. I'm here to let you know that I'm starting a brand new weekly coaching group that includes a year of life coaching, accountability, support, habit and goal setting, and more. I'm starting a waitlist for the group right now, and I'm only taking a handful of people. And I'll let you know that through this personalized coaching, we'll work together to help you understand how your childhood trauma has shaped your beliefs, behaviors, emotions, and will help you create a roadmap for healing and growth. Right now, you can schedule an absolutely free coaching session with me and get put on the wait list if you go to thinkunbroken.com. My friends, it's your time to turn your trauma into triumph, breakdowns into breakthroughs, and become the hero of your own story. And I'm here to support you in doing that. Just go to thinkunbroken.com to register for a free coaching call with me and to get put on the wait list for the brand new weekly coaching program. BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Maryland. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code OLDLINE150. Then place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Maryland today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days from issuance. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional not available in Washington, D.C. The legends are true. But overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of McDonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10 piece with nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at McDonald's. Ba da ba ba ba. Go! I participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Hey, my friends, we will be right back to the show, but I have a question for you. Are you struggling with the impact of childhood trauma? Well, know that you're not alone. I'm here to let you know that I'm starting a brand new weekly coaching group that includes a year of life coaching, accountability, support, habit and goal setting, and more. I'm starting a wait list for the group right now, and I'm only taking a handful of people. And I'll let you know that through this personalized coaching, we'll work together to help you understand how your childhood trauma has shaped your beliefs, behaviors, emotions, and will help you create a roadmap for healing and growth. Right now, you can schedule an absolutely free coaching session with me and get put on the wait list if you go to thinkunbroken.com. My friends, it's your time to turn your trauma into triumph, breakdowns into breakthroughs, and become the hero of your own story. And I'm here to support you in doing that. Just go to thinkunbroken.com to register for a free coaching call with me and to get put on the wait list for the brand new weekly coaching program. 
Hey, what's up, Unbroken Nation? I hope that you're doing well. I'm very excited for today's episode with my guest, Mike Bethune. Mike is a former member of the military, former homeless man who has now turned his life and his pain into purpose and power. This is honestly one of the most compelling conversations that I've had on Think Unbroken podcast. I was so moved. I got emotional. I got goosebumps listening to this man's journey, his story, his mission. Um, I, I want to just honor him for coming on and sharing a tremendous amount of vulnerability in this episode. But before we get in, of course, I want to just take a moment, say thank you to all of you who listen. Thank you to every one of you who tag friends, who share with your friends, who send them to this podcast. It means the world to me. Um, also, I want to thank everyone who takes the time to leave reviews. Um, every time you do that and go on iTunes and you click that five star and you write a review and you take that five seconds, like that helps other people get exposure to the show. And you are being of service to the mission of Think Unbroken to end generational trauma every single time that you do that. So thank you to everyone who goes on and reviews. Um, I want to read something here um, today that is powerful for me. As someone who's been coaching for a while and sharing my story, my journey, empowering people, um, when I get messages like this, which are so funny, it's the serendipity of life in those moments where, because I, just to be frank with you, I wake up and I go, why am I really doing this? And it's a reminder to me, like I am doing this. So another child does not ever have to tell my story. Right. And, um, and I got this message from one of my clients today. I was thinking of you today, Michael. I am present every day of my life because of the work we did, the presence I desired for too many years. The story of my prior, the story of my life prior to working together only had one ending, destruction. The best part is I always used to think you were weak to need someone to help you. Oh boy, I was so damn fucking wrong. Doing it by myself landed me into drunken weekends sleeping my life away hungover and not showing up for my family, my beautiful wife, and so much more. I am now also a father to the most beautiful son. My childhood was stolen from me, and I will not allow that for my child. I am blessed to have worked with you, and I'm so thankful I decided to step out of my comfort zone. That's why I do this. Because I know like I'm I'm I don't know anything special. Like the the tools, the things that I've been able to do to transform my life, those have come through hard work. Those have come through having mentors in front of me. And to be able to give those same tools to people like this client whose testimonial I just shared with you are the reasons I do it because I know that now his child, and you heard it from what he wrote, will not have a life like what he had growing up. And that matters. That's a part of this mission. So if you're in this place in your life and you're like, I, I need to go to what's next, join us, be a part of the unbroken nation, take the step of being uncomfortable to create massive change in your life. Like transformation is a decision away. And you can check out more information on that. Just go to coaching.thinkunbroken.com. That's coaching.thinkunbroken.com. And you're going to hear so much about choices and the decisions we make in the conversation that I'm about to have with Michael that we are going to share with you because it is those choices and those decisions that will allow you to turn your pain into purpose and power. So without any further ado, my friends, Michael Bethune. What's up, Unbroken Nation? Hello, my friends. I'm Michael Unbroken, host of the Think Unbroken podcast and founder of thinkunbroken.com. 
and I'm honored to be your trauma coach and mentor because I believe that everyone is capable of getting unstuck, cultivating self-love, and becoming the hero of their own story. I believe that when implemented correctly, the practical tools and education you will receive from this show will help you lead an unbroken and extraordinary life. I believe that no matter what we come from, that we all have the ability to choose ourselves first, to create and manifest a powerful and grace-filled future, and love the reflection in the mirror. I believe that every day is a day to grow, learn, heal, and change. That's why I started my company, thinkunbroken.com, which is an online training and healing and personal growth platform where you get everything that I know about how to get motivated, be accountable, get out of the vortex, and become the hero of your own story through community, connection, and commitment. For more information, visit thinkunbroken.com. Please listen closely as you may learn just one thing that will help you be unbroken. And please share this episode with at least three of your friends because we all need community and connection in our healing journey. And be sure to DM me and tag me on Instagram at michaelunbroken so that I can say hi. I just want to thank you again for being a part of this, for listening and being a member of the Unbroken Nation. Now, let's get into today's show and make the world unbroken. Hey, what's up, Unbroken Nation? Hope that you're doing well wherever you are in the world today. I am super excited to be back with you with another episode with my guest, Michael Buffoon, who is a Grateful Grace recipient who returns the favor daily by helping to change the lives of others. When I heard Michael's story, I was like, yo, I have got to have him on the show. His journey, his mission, his vision is incredible. Um, But not to spoil or alert it. Michael, my friend, what is going on in your world? How are you today? Hey, hey, Michael, I am doing great. I'm doing great. No problems at all. Um, Complaining is not a part of my forte because it's pretty pointless. I'm doing great always. I love it, man. I heard somebody say, whenever you tell people that you're doing fantastic, it'll throw them off guard because normally we just go, I'm fine. So I appreciate that. I'm doing great, man. I'm ready to rock and roll. Let's do it. Um, So that said, Michael, my friend, for context, can you tell the audience a little bit about your backstory and how you got to where you are today? Sure. Absolutely. So I'm originally uh, born and raised in Patterson, New Jersey, and uh, raised in in a good, solid family uh, in the heart of the inner city. Um, was a, a pretty good athlete in school and thought that I was going to get certain scholarships, et cetera, in high school. Uh, those things didn't happen, unfortunately, and I opted to go into the United States Army uh, at 18 years old. I went in, and my second year in, um, I was deployed to the border of Central America. At that time, there was a, a coup that had happened with uh, some Nicaraguan rebels called the Sandinistas had overtook Nicaraguan government, and they were coming for Honduras, which is American interest. And so our president at that time uh, sent us in to to handle that situation. So I was in that situation as an 18-year-old or 19-year-old at that time. I'm going on 20. And, uh, you know, it rocked my world pretty good. You know, it was uh, it was covert jungle warfare, if you will, because in that that part of um, the world, that's it's all jungle. And it's it, it was just, you know, there's no context for 
that kind of situation. But you know, when you sign on the dotted line, I knew that that was a probability that I could be deployed anywhere. And I was in the kind of a unit, uh, engineer unit, where we build bridges, we blow bridges, we deal with uh, a lot of C4 and explosives. And so we get, we could be deployed anywhere in the world within 72 hours, you know? And so, uh, yeah, so that happened. And uh, in that environment, because the reality is so surreal and there's no context for how you function, all the military training in the world doesn't prepare you for that. When you're in it, you're in it and you just have to figure out a way to um, to get through it. And so I would see, and this is no slight to the military, but I would see some of my um, other comrades, older comrades that had been deployed before, I would see them chewing these, these green leafy things. And I'd be like, well, well, what is that? And at the end of the day, I found out that they were coca leaves because again, we're in lush jungle in Central America and there's a whole lot of that going on in that area. And they would find these things, they would chew these things and their whole mindset was, we're going to get numb, as numb as possible uh, so that we can't feel anything, even from a heart perspective, right? Because when you get asked to go on certain missions and uh, and do things to other human beings. Well, you can't, if you have any kind of a heart, you can't do it in your regular heart. So you almost have to be anesthetized and become monster-like to a certain extent. And so I started doing the same thing. And the other, the other part of the mindset was if today is our day to get hit in any kind of way, well, at least we won't feel it when it happens. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, so for six months, that's what we did in that environment there. I chewed one of those things, uh, one or two of them every single day, just numb up your whole body. Um, I didn't know anything about addiction then. I just knew that this is what we were doing to function in that environment. And when I came out of it, I didn't get out the military, but when I came out of it, I knew that I was a different person and something had happened. So I obviously developed an addiction um, to cocaine because of the coca leaves and um, came back stateside, continued on in the military, continued to to rise up the ranks and thrive in the military. But I had this other secret side that was going on because now I'm still this addiction thing was calling me. And somebody explained to me that what you were chewing was a coca leaf. And this is what it makes cocaine. Right. So they people showed me where that was. And, and here I am rising up the ranks, even as an army sergeant. And now this was my secret life. So I was caught up in that vortex. I didn't want to be, but I really didn't know exactly what was going on with me at that time. I also had a psychological thing going on because I, I would get really depressed. Um, when I started thinking about some of the things that we went through and, uh, and in the unit I was in, you couldn't, you couldn't show weaknesses because it was a hardcore unit. You couldn't show weaknesses, so here I am with this stuff going on in my head from our experience over in Central America. And I got this other whammy on me now with this addiction thing. Um, but I'm also rising up the ranks and somebody that younger troops are looking up to. So I was kind of stuck and suffering in silence. And I did that for a few more years, even until I eventually um, got out of the military. And when I got out of the military, my mindset was I'm going to go back home to New Jersey. I'm going to. I'm going to get some help from the VA hospital, Veterans Hospital, and address this whole addiction issue. And then I'm going to become a New Jersey State Trooper. That was my mindset. My dad had a friend who was a captain and was a recruiter, quote unquote, minority recruiter. And so he was hot on my trail because I uh, fit the bill, the size, height, training, all that good stuff. And um, that's what I thought I was going to be doing. But that addiction took over me when I got back home. 
Uh, and I didn't tell my mom and dad what was going on. I didn't tell anybody who loved me what was going on because the reality is that I didn't know completely what was happening with me. I didn't. So I suffered in silence and um, I eventually uh, ended up homeless because I didn't want to bring that unpredictable kind of spontaneous stuff that was happening in my head around my parents and my loved ones. So I used my military training and and kind of became nomadic and was in the streets, man. And when I tell you suffering in silence, Michael, suffering in silence every day, that's, I knew I had so much more potential, but I was stuck in that situation. And um, again, I guess pride played a part in it. I didn't want to tell people that, that, you know, I had fallen victim to this and was, you know, it just the whole mindset of, of not letting people think that you're weak or whatever. So I, I just dealt with it until it dealt with me to the point where I couldn't take it anymore. And then I eventually reached out to somebody and that's when things really began to change. Uh, Man, that's, that's so incredible. And I, I think about how often, and I love that you said suffering in silence because whether it's addiction, whether it's PTSD, CPTSD, trauma, like we, we have this mindset and I will say this as a minority male of color, like, especially in our communities. Like you don't talk about dark things. You don't talk about bad things. And, and, and Michael, first off, I'm super proud of you for being here and having this conversation because we're tearing down that stigma because the reality is we're human beings having a human experience. And to think that you're alone in that, I think is the, the most sad part about it because you're in this place where you know, you think about this. We ask for help sooner. And that was my experience too. In my mid twenties, it was chaotic. If I would have asked for help sooner, my life trajectory would have been very different. What do you think, you know, and, and I know this is a tough question and, and, and in retrospect, we always have hindsight, right? And we go, well, you know, this or that, but in this and looking at going through this, this phase of addiction, what do you think would have helped you in that moment or in that time frame to actually create shift faster in your life? Because the reason I'm asking this, Michael, I know that there are people listening right now. They're struggling. They they may have an addiction or a vice that's starting to take over their life. They have the secret, you know, whether it's porn or sex or drugs or whatever video games, even now for people, you know, what, if anything, would you have given yourself or tried to allude to, to, to help project what was possible in your life once you started seeking change or help? Uh, so <clears throat> you're asking me, Michael, if, just to be clear, what in hindsight, what would I have done differently to kind of expedite uh, the process of getting better? Yeah, exactly. I, hmm. well, I mean, you hit the nail on the head a minute ago, but one of the things that kept me from telling people what I was dealing with was the whole stigma. You know, I saw people who were just, you know, out there, no holes barred. I was kind of a secret addict, you know what I mean? Cause I would still function and still, I would even go to work as do it, do what I can do. Even as a homeless person, I still, I had a job, you know, and I would, I would do, I would still do normal people things, but then I would see other people like people I grew up with who were full blown addicts to the point where, you know, and this is not to judge them, but I'm just, you know, calling it what it was to the point where they didn't care. Their addiction had gotten so far. They didn't care what anybody thought about them in terms of their upkeep and all that. And I would hear how people talked about them and how people judged them, not knowing, you know, what the uh, what the what the core 
of, of their addiction was and where it came from, but just, you know, would just kind of throw them into this, this barrel of people who didn't want anything in their life and just woke up one day and said, let me just destroy my whole life, which we know is not true. And so, uh, you know, I guess to avoid all of that and uh, to avoid what I thought was the, the embarrassment of people judging me and me seeming weak and all those other things. It, um, I wish that at that young age, I would have had the kind of fortitude that would um, have allowed me to, you know, respect other people's opinions, but not to the point where it keeps me stuck in this debilitating situation. Let me go forward and go ahead and swallow my pride and ask for some help. I wish I would have been able to be that person at that time. In hindsight, that's what I would have done differently. Um, regardless of what anybody might say, this is my life and I have to go forward and get the help that I need. That's what I would yeah. have done differently. Man, that that's super powerful. And I, I resonate with that in such a, a real way because I just looked at so many different areas and time frames of my life where I'm just like, dude, get out of your own way. Like, what are you doing? You know that there are resources, there are things available. And you know, I think it's everyone's independent journey, you know, and that's not to cast judgment. I'm not saying that it's only a, a parlay here in your experience. You know, I'm, I'm really curious because you you mentioned this to me and, and I want you to share this experience with the audience one of the pivotal paradigm shifts in your life being around meeting your mentor and him saying something to you that really kind of hit home. Absolutely. Yeah. So, uh, when I did reach out for help, um, I went to a place in New Jersey, a place in Marstown, New Jersey. Um, I'll never forget it. Um, thank God for a place called, uh, it's, it's a Christian place. So it deals with the spiritual part of things. And also they offer clinical counseling too. And I was, it was recommended to me to go to that place. And in that place, I met an individual by the name of, uh, Reverend Dr. Solomon J. Tividay. He was a gentleman from India and he had come here decades ago and went to school and, you know, got all these degrees in counseling and all. And he was also a pastor. And that man became my mentor. He saw in me something that I didn't see in myself at all. And he began to counsel me. He kind of took me on as his own project, as his mentee, if you will. And um, after a few counseling sessions, he said to me one day, he said, Mike, he said, you have he, you have tremendous potential, tremendous potential. Um, but you have to get over the fear and deal with the pain. He says, he says, you're stuck in life because you're, you have been in an abnormal situation for so long that now the abnormal has become so comfortable to you that the abnormal is normal. And that's why your life is stuck. That's why your life is paralyzed. And then he said these words and these are words that I'll never forget. I tell him wherever I go. He said, Mike, when the pain of where you are in life right now, is greater or more powerful than the fear of where you have the ability to go. That's when you move. That's when you move. And that, that conversation right there, that statement right there was so pivotal to me because uh, he began to help me understand that pain and fear are both dual motivators, right? They'll either paralyze us or they'll propel us. And it's all based on our perception of how we see our situation. He said to me that you have the the way that you can begin to move is that you have to stop seeing your life as, and your life's journey and all that happened in the military and in the streets and all. You have to stop seeing it as something that happened to you 
and start seeing it as possibly something that could have very well happened for you because you've gained the strength and the fortitude from having gone through all that, that you can now leverage and kind of take the take the power out of the pain that once paralyzed you and now use that power to push you and propel you into your full potential. And that changed my life right there, Michael. That statement right there um, set me off on a trajectory that hasn't stopped going yet all these years later. Hey, Unbroken Nation, a quick pause in today's episode to tell you about the brand new Think Unbroken app. That's right. I just released a brand new app in the App Store that you can take the first course in the Think Unbroken curriculum, the five keys to healing trauma. It's a seven day course for free. All you have to do is go into your app store right now. You can pause this video and search Think Unbroken. That's on both Apple and Android. And you can take the Think Unbroken Five Keys to Healing Trauma, seven-day course for free. This is daily coaching from me. It's daily activities, daily check-ins. I built this course in this app specifically to bring huge value to you in your life, where you're at, and what you're trying to do, and going next and becoming the hero of your own story. So check out the App Store again, Apple and Android. Just simply search Think Unbroken, and you will see the Think Unbroken app. And until next time, my friend, be unbroken. Man, that, that's so beautiful and profound. And, you know, here's what I, I think is very interesting. What was happening in your life in that moment that allowed you to accept that? Because I think one of the really difficult parts of the human experience is coming back to that thing about pride and us being like, I, I don't need that right now. I, I'll figure this out. What, what happened for you that allowed you to take that in, to accept it, to acknowledge it, and then to do something about it? Because I think it's one thing to hear something and it's a whole other thing to let it impact and change your life. Yeah. Well, I knew, I knew with absolute, absolute certainty that this man was put in my life by God. I have to use that terminology. <laughs> I believe that a thousand percent and just his wisdom. I mean, thank God for my earthly dad, who's still on the side of life at 83 years old, still chugging along, going strong. Thank God for him. And he gave me everything he could. He taught me everything he could. And I, I'll forever appreciate him for that. But this man here was somebody who had a different skill set um, that was able to bring out of me a level of potential that nobody else was capable of doing up until that point in my life. And I knew this and I knew he had my best interest at hand. I, I knew that I wasn't just another one of his counseling subjects that he was doing a test case on, that he really um um, had a vested interest in seeing my potential come forward. And because he believed in me so much, he, his belief in me started having me believe more in myself as well. You know, I kind of rode his belief until I began to say, you know what, I really, you know, maybe I am this guy that he's saying I have the potential to be. So that, that just sparked something else in me. Um, what allowed me to accept all the information that he was giving me was because I had gotten to a place in life where I realized that uh, I've always thought that I was a good thinker. I still believe that way in a hum and uh, you know, with humility, coupled with humility. Um, but at that point, I knew that what I was dealing with was beyond my intellectual capability to figure out, figure my way out of this problem. I needed people that had other expertise and I, and could show me the way out to show me how to think about what it is that I'm dealing with and, and how to get victory um, out of it. And then to your, to the other point in your question, uh, 
in terms of taking action, once I knew, once I had this truth and this new normal that I was beginning to operate in, uh, the fire was lit. There was no stopping me then. I was, nothing was in the same way that that addiction would call me. I converted that energy, you know, in the right direction and, and, and just started taking off from there. You know, I knew he was telling me the right thing. And because I was getting results from implementing some of the smaller things that he was telling me early on. And when he began to kind of, you know, kind of cause a paradigm shift and tell me bigger things, give me bigger jobs to do, if if you will, inside jobs, right? The, the introspective work and and all the other things that I needed to do to really understand myself and understand what was going on. Oh, I was ready to go then. I was ready to go. Ready to Man, go. Man, he told me that I should go back to school, go to school, too, because um, I'll say this and I digress. Michael, what I saw in him, um, I wanted to be. I wanted to be and I wanted to help people just like him. He was just the perfect role model. And so I started out on that path and, and haven't stopped going since. Man, that's so profound. I literally got goosebumps. You can't see it because I, I resonate with that in such a, a real way because, you know, there there is something about life. And, and this struck me probably, I don't know, seven or eight years ago where I was sitting and I was I was doing some work and I was just in this thing on the backside of what I'll call my rock bottom, trying to rise up, trying to get really to where I am today and where I'm going in the future. And I had this like lightning bolt moment and I was like, it takes as much energy to destroy your life as it does to build your life. And, and it sounds to me so much like one of the things that happened is you just started to have a transference of energy. You changed the way you thought. What about, talk to me, and, and I know this might be a little off topic, but what was happening in your mind? as you were going through this process and the way that you were speaking to yourself, like, because the reason I want to touch into that, because I, I fully believe that so much of what happens in our life starts up here in our head. And you mentioned that you with humility, which I appreciate that you're a great thinker. So what was happening prior to this conversation with your mentor and the way that you were thinking about your life and after? Yes. Yeah, so prior to the conversation, the way I was thinking about my life was uh, I actually thought that for a while there, I thought this is what I thought when I was caught up in the in the addiction thing and the homeless thing. I, I would say to myself every single day, I said, you know what, there's one or two things in terms of how this is going to end up. It's going to end up one of two ways. Either something's going to happen. I'm going to end up dying in this madness. Or. If by the grace of God, I get a chance to get out of it, I'm going to be somebody who's going, going to make be, uh, make a real difference in the lives of other people for the rest of my life. I'm going to use this pain that I'm going through now to make a real difference in my own life first and then in the lives of other people. That's the way I thought when I was in the situation itself. Something, something deep down inside of me, Michael, always believed, and this is what I held on to, always believed that and knew that I had so much more potential than, than where kind of like where I was in life wasn't indicative of who I was. I knew there was so much more to me. You know, even when I would be somewhere 
doing my thing and, you know, or doing the thing that was doing me, you know, getting high and in these circles. It's so weird. People would say, you know what? You don't even belong here. Why are you here with us, man? You know, why you like people would say weird things to me like that. Like, you know, you you don't look like you like what's the criteria to be a nobody, you know, like, like, you know, um, but they would say those things. And uh, what's the criteria to ruin your life? You know, what's the prerequisite? They would say things to me like that. And I would get those things along my journey. I'd always say, if I come out of this thing, I'm even going to come back and help all these people here. I am. I know it. I know it. I know it. So that was my mindset pre-meeting Pastor Solomon, Dr. Solomon. After I met him, my mindset was like, and and, um, coupled with my faith too, because faith is critical. Faith, my faith played a critical part in this whole journey and continues to, to this day. So in terms of what informed my thinking, my faith had a lot to do with it. Uh, but then my own thinking was, you know, listen, the fire is lit now. There's no stopping me. I know that I've always known that I've had uh, great potential inside of me and potential when my potential, when I talk about potential, I'm always talking about it in the context of how it's going to be used to help make humanity better. That's the way I think about my journey. I think that's the essence of what life is about. If your life is not making a difference in somebody else's life, then what's it all about? Um, so, you know, I, the fire was lit. The fire was lit. Look, I said, I'm going to go and get trained and learn how to do this counseling thing. I'm going to learn as much as I can learn. I'm going to go as far as I can go. I'm going to leverage, uh, what the military owes me in terms of being able to go to school and all this other stuff for the, my investment to them. And, um, you know, and Dr. Solomon helped with all that. Even the the facility um, where I met Dr. Solomon, they also helped. And I worked there for a while and uh, was able to go to school and all of that, man. So my mindset changed completely. My mindset, to, to boil it down, my mindset after meeting Dr. Solomon was anything is possible now. There's nothing stopping me from reaching my full God-given potential. Man, that's so beautiful. And I, I think often we need that catalyst in our life. I know I do, right? I think everyone does. And and I often measure it in the same way that you did as, and with my mentors and who I look up to in the world as I just simply go, they're, they're where I want to go. They're, they're in the direction where I'm heading. And I, I, sometimes I look back and I, I go and I look in the other direction. I think to myself, like, I still love those people back here. I still support those people. Those people back here behind on the other pathway that I could have taken will always bring value to my life. But the reality is to build what I want, I'm going to have to go in this direction. One of the things, obviously, here that that's become profound for you is creating massive change in your life by being of service. And I know that you've now done that for over 25 years, which is absolutely incredible. Michael, talk about that experience. Talk about that shift of moving into service of being in a leadership role and, and of moving towards making this impact in the world. Sure. Uh, so another one of Dr. Solomon's suggestions to me was once he realized that, um, that part of my vision at that point was to do what he was doing someday. Uh, he recommended that I go to school. And so I spoke to a few more people um, uh, at that, that who were um, who were significant in my life at that time. One was a, another pastor there in that city in Marstown. And um, <clears throat> uh, we ended up choosing, or I ended up choosing some schools. They pointed me to a few different places. Obviously it was my choice. So 
um, I went back to school. I went back to school and over the course of 13 years, not 13 years straight, uh, but kind of with breaks in between, but it told, it ended up being a total of 13 years. I went back to school. I knocked out, uh, three degrees all the way up to uh, finish up, uh, um, the master's level, uh, a master's in theology coupled with counseling, pastoral care, clinical mm -hmm. counseling, all of that. And I was uh, on the verge of starting um, what they call a PsyD, which is uh, a doctor of psychology. It's a yeah, it's a, it's a not the Ph.D., but it's a doctor of psychology because the special the specialty is specifically in um, uh, psychology and clinical counseling. So it's a PsyD. And um, I started I, I was on the verge of starting that, but I didn't I didn't continue with it because something happened in my life. Somebody significant in my life at that time ended up um, getting really sick. And, uh, I had to be there for that person to, you know, just to, because, you know, they were, they were there for me too, when I started my journey of getting better. So I had to be there for them. And, um, so I didn't, I didn't finish that. Um, and I haven't gone back to do it. I don't have a need to do it now at this point and at this stage. But, uh, while I was in the process of getting those degrees, I started working in different organizations, right? I started submitting resumes to different organizations and I ended up uh, uh, working uh, in the high leadership, directing a couple programs, um, helping to develop different programs that help people that are stuck in life. And after having dealt with different adverse situations, um, I worked with one organization for eight years that works with homeless youth that have aged out of foster care. And they, in, um, at homeless youth, 18 to 22 year olds, they, they hit 18 years old. They don't get adopted. Um, they're given a, a, a state check, a monthly check and, and kind of let go to the streets and told to fend for themselves. And a lot of people don't know that that group right there represents, uh, the second largest wave of homeless people in the United States, only second to veterans coming back from, from war and deployment. So I, I worked with them for years. I've worked in battered women's shelters. I've worked in uh, um, uh, detoxes and clinics for people trying to get help with addiction, et cetera. I've done all, all, all of that. Um, and it all fits right into the stream of the things that Dr. Solomon trained me. I mean, I'll, I don't think I've said um, much of anything different to, to the probably thousands of people that I've worked with over those years, it all comes back to the root of how Dr. Solomon worked with me and the level of compassion that he put into his work as well for, for humanity that find themselves um, in, a, in a difficult state. So I've done that for years and years and years. And um, it's what I love to do. It's, uh, it's one of those reciprocal things, you know, you like the, the only way I believe the only way you stay well is by helping other people stay well. You know, I think it's, it's intrinsically connected, even what we do right here and helping people. It's all, it's still all connected to, to the journey in some way or another. So that's, that's who I am in a nutshell. That's what I've done over all these years in the New York and New Jersey area and in the Northeast. But I've also been able to travel different places and speak and, you know, um, um, a couple more things too. Yeah. Man, that's really beautiful because I, I think I'm right in alignment with you. That's the whole purpose of doing the show, of creating Think Unbroken, of, of leading the way that I do, because I found that being of service is literally the only thing that pulled me out of like the darkness of my life and and being able to share 
the stories and the journeys and, and the mission of people like you is just, it's so empowering for me personally, but also I know for the people listening. And, you know, I, I always think about this. If you're in this place in your life where, where you're miserable, where it's dark, like go be of service, go, I, yeah. I dare you to stop thinking about yourself for five minutes and go be of service to someone else. And your life will be profoundly different. But, but to your point earlier, if I, if I come back a little bit, you know, mm -hmm. I think that we get to this place where we get paralyzed by this idea of our new normal, right. And people are stuck in this pain of their current reality. How, how do people start to transform that in the way that you did from pain into power and into purpose? Yeah, so uh, I think that even, and I, I share this in in my book too. I guess we'll talk about that uh, later. But I, um, before you can even deal with the pain itself, before you can, um, before you can even acknowledge the reality of the pain, wherever the pain came from, you know, whether you caused it or whether somebody else caused it, whether it came by way of abuse, whatever. You know, that pain, that pain is there and pain goes underground, but not away. It may lie dormant down there for 20, 25 years, you know, and given the right set of life storms, um, it'll come bubbling up and end up getting projected on, excuse me, on people who might have had nothing to do with it at all. So before you can even acknowledge the pain, you have to address the fear. What is the fear that's keeping you? That's what I had to ask myself to, that question when Pastor, Pastor Solomon talked about the fear and pain. What is the fear? What was I afraid of? What was I afraid of? Well, that new normal, that new normal had become so comfortable to me that I was afraid of who I would be without the, without the comfort of those vices that, you know, as, as, as crazy as it was, and as wrecked as my life was, at least that was a wrecked life that I knew and that I could control. So the fear was, who am I going to be? If you're telling me to give all this stuff up here, I know I have this potential in me, but but it's it's a scary thing. You know, who, who am I going to be on the other side of this change? What am I? What's my comfort blanket that I'm going to have to hold on to on the other side of this change? So um, the fear, the fear has to be addressed first before you can even get to really acknowledging the pain and getting to the core of the pain. And then um, another part of that process, Michael, is abandoning all the excuses, you know, abandoning the excuse. I, I used them all for a while until I met Dr. Solomon, you know, uh, and we, again, whether or not we cause the pain, it, it be, it, to a certain extent, it becomes irrelevant as it relates to moving forward in life. Okay. Whether it happened to you and not to minimize anybody's pain, but whether it happened to you or whether you cause it yourself, the only way to start moving forward from it is to acknowledge that it is there, that it is real, that it does hurt like heck, that it has ruined my life, that it has paralyzed my forward progress, and that it has kept me from getting to the potential that I know I have and taking action to move forward. Acknowledging it is the first step. And after you acknowledge it, then abandoning the excuses. Yeah, it could be uncle so-and-so may have did some horrific stuff and, 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 you know, and that's a terrible thing. But if it happened, it's already happened. It's already past tense. So we, you know, we have to make a choice. We have to make a choice as to whether or not we're going to hold on to um, the the comfort, the weird comfort 
that's in that pain because it's the only thing we know or whether we're going to step out there and take a risk knowing that we have more potential down on the inside. That's the beginning right there. Ab abandoning those excuses, you know, admit the truth, admit the truth. I had to admit the truth to myself. Mike, you made the choice. Nobody put a gun to my head and made me chew that coca leaf. I mean, in my external stimuli had something to do with it. You know, the people I was around in the culture of what we did in the military at that time. But at the end of the day, I made that choice. So I had to admit that truth, that that one choice led to a whole lot of other things. I'm not talking about the PTSD that came with that was beyond my choice. I was put in that environment. But I did make some choices in the, in the process, too, that I had to acknowledge, I had to admit, and I had to stop making excuses for before I could get any real help. If you need help with pain or anxiety, let me tell you about one of my favorite tools. It's NW Recovery CBD Oil. You may know that, and I've mentioned this before, I have chronic pain and massive anxiety, and CBD oil has been such a profound tool in my journey. Recently, NW Recovery came out with their key lime flavored CBD oil that is non-psychotropic. It is non-psychoactive. And for a person like me who has a panic attack, if I touch THC, this is the perfect combination of delicious key lime and CBD, something I literally do not leave home without. For more information, you can go to nw-recovery.com and use the keyword unbroken to save 20% on your first order. Again, go to nw-recovery.com, keyword unbroken, and have CBD change your life. For people who are in that place where they're hearing this and they're like, yes, I understand that I've had these experiences happen, whether I did them or they happened to me. And I understand what you're saying and, and I'm lost in the practicality of it. Right. What I mean by that, Michael, is like when you're in this place and you're starting to have this acknowledgement, you're starting to look at the possibility of facing what's next in your life. Mm -hmm. But fear has kept you crippled because you've accepted that that is your reality. How do you really transform or transition into looking at life from the scope of what do I need to do to actually take control of my life? Because I think most people hear things like this uh -huh. and they get trapped because they don't ever have like a first step. And while they can, you can look at acknowledgement and things like that. Is it getting a coach? Is it getting a mentor? Is it going to like, like what is it really in a practical sense that someone can do when they're in this place, they're hearing this and they're just like, I just don't really know what to do. Yeah, I got you. I got you. So I think the first step, the first very practical step is, uh, number one, believing, fully believing that you're ready to make this step. And then the second thing is finding somebody that you can confide in to share, to share what it is that, you know, what it is that you're thinking. And this doesn't have to be the person that's going to take you all the way like Dr. Solomon did with me. This could be you, this could be the person that will just be a compassionate listening ear for you to cathart and even get it out of your system and put it into the atmosphere. So uh, because you may have not told anybody any of any of the things that you've gone through um, throughout your life or all the painful things that have kept you stuck. You probably have been suffering, suffering in silence for a long time. So the first step is 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 
you know, making up your mind that you're ready to take the step. And then the second step in terms of practicality is finding somebody you can talk to, finding somebody you can confide in, some, finding somebody that you can share um, the truth um, of the gist of, of, of your story. You know, that that right there is going to bring all kinds of breakthrough for you because you'll hear yourself tell it for the first time. And there's a whole there's a liberation is in just being able to tell it yourself. So I think that's where yes, where you begin. Yeah, I, and I agree. I, I I think that's such a beautiful way to start into it because I have found like the the more to your point, which I love that you said this, like the darkness, these secrets, we just they get buried underground, and when you bring them to light they can't help but be in light. The darkness starts to go away. And I'm not saying it's going to happen overnight because I think you'll agree with me that I don't believe that's how life works. But on a long enough timeline, you'll find that you those things do transform. Those pains do turn into power. And that doesn't mean you have to be a speaker or write books or do any of those things. Maybe it just means being okay with the reflection in the mirror, loving yourself, showing up for your family, for your kids, for your community, for your church or your neighbors or whatever it is that you need to to be of service in your life. Michael, I know that you've written quite a few books and, and one particularly struck me and, and hit me really close to home. And that was eight steps to getting unstuck in life. And I'd love if you just take a moment and talk about that book and why you decided to write that. Um, yeah. So, hmm. uh, July 14th, 2014, uh, one of my brothers, uh, there's five, five brothers. There was five. Now there's four, um, in this physical realm, one in the spiritual realm now. And uh, my brother, Ron, who was only uh, 15, 16 months older than me, uh, took his own life. He took his own life. Life kind of fell apart for him, um, lost the best job he ever had. And then his his marriage fell apart um, a few months after that. Don't know if the two are connected or not. You know, it's a mute point uh, at this point. But um, uh, and then he began to, to spiral out of control in this deep depression and um, yeah, on July 14th, he um, in Raleigh, North Carolina, he drove into a parking lot and had a loaded weapon and and ended his life. And you talk about a new normal. Well, up until that point, uh, no, our family was in, in terms of the family circle. It hadn't been broken. You know, I, I said mom and dad are still in their 80s now. So all of you know, everybody's everybody's here. And um, so that happened that thrusted. That thrusted everybody into a, a really, really, really crazy place. Uh, again, no reference point for something like that, just like war. There's no reference point for what you do after a loved one takes their own life. Uh, you just you begin to move into this new normal after the bereavement period. You begin to adjust. You don't ever get over it, but you do find a way to get through it and to get on with life. Um, so when Ron did that, uh, I'm kind of uh, one of the point people or one of the one of the key point people when family situations happen. And, uh, you know, so I had to be kind of the counselor to the whole family, the counselor and helping put things together. I didn't do it by myself, but they leaned on me heavily for it to help, you know, make sense of this whole thing and help carry the family through it. So I had to go into performance mode, Michael. I mean, I had to check my emotions at the door uh, as much as realistically possible and go into performance mode to take care of mom 
and dad and all the way to helping set up the funeral and you name it. I mean, down to speaking at the funeral. And um, uh, so after that, all of that was over with and people are a couple of months later, people are going back to go not back to, but now adjusting to their new normal. That's when all the emotions of it hit me like a ton of bricks and took me to a really, really, really dark place. This is my brother who I, you know, I love, love deeply. You know, we slept in uh, bunk beds together, you know, and played goofy games and, you know, took wire hangers and made basketball rims on the back of the door in the, in the, in the room and all, you know, all that kind of stuff there, all those memories. And uh, when it hit me, it hit me hard It hit me hard. And I, I had to be careful in that time too, because that, put me in another one of those suffering in silent places because sometimes who, you know, uh, when the leader is suffering in silence, you feel like you don't want to share your stuff because everybody else is hurting more. And at least you, you have some kind of, you have tools to, or you, you, you convince yourself that you have tools to handle your situation better because maybe you've had more training or whatever, but all that stuff goes out the window when pain really hits you, hits you hard. And uh, that man, it, it got a grip on me, took me to a bad place. And one of the things that I do when I'm dealing with extreme life difficulty is that I write. That's part of my catharsis. I write, I write. And as I thought about Ron's situation, I began to write and um, uh, hmm. yeah, I began to write. I had questions, questions for questions for for God, <laughs> questions about it all, because none of it made sense. You know, we don't have a history of that anywhere in the lineage. It just, you know, even in the culture itself, it just didn't make just didn't make sense. Um, and so I wrote I wrote and all this different stuff that I was writing. I wonder if he'd have been able to do this, maybe this wouldn't have happened. And what I was writing, some of what I was writing was predicated upon um, things that I had heard from his colleagues that he worked with. And Raleigh, when we went down there to clean out his place, I talked to people that he worked with. I talked to people from the barbershop. I talked to people from the church. And everybody said that when he, when this thing started happening, um, he disconnected from his whole network. And so he was a man on an island by himself. And he talked about silent suffering. You know, um, he disconnected from the people that could have encouraged him in that season. And maybe it wouldn't have ended up that way. So those are some of the things I was writing, uh, different steps that if he would have been able to take, maybe the outcome would have been different. And when I came out of that season months later, I realized that I had all this content now um, that will never help him. But uh, I guess as it relates to his legacy, could kind of honor him by helping a whole lot of other people. And so I converted it and um, turned it into a book and turned it into a workshop and and probably did it at close to 100 places uh, with any place that would open a door, a nonprofit church who it didn't matter, you know, any place because hurting people are all over the place and you don't know who is close to the edge sitting there with a smile on their face, but in a deep, dark place in their in their real life. And so. Um, I still do the workshop, you know, as people bring me in to do it. And, and uh, it's one of the ways that I honor him and one of the ways that I help other people who, who are close to the edge. That's where the Man, book came from. That is, that's so powerful and such a, 
a a beautiful testimony of of your willingness to step into turning pain into power right and and also a beautiful testimonial vulnerability and so thank you for that i i think one of the most difficult things that we have in the human experience is using and leveraging our own vulnerability to be able to impact because I know this for certain as someone who has had an attempt on their own life, like that book may have been extremely practical for me when I needed it. Right. And so you're, you're doing this beautiful work and I want to acknowledge you for that and say, thank you, of course, for coming on and sharing that with this audience. Before I ask you my last question, can you tell everyone where they can find you? Uh, yeah, you can find me all over social media, uh, at Michael Bethune or Mike Bethune. You can find me all over the place, Facebook, Instagram, um, LinkedIn, Twitter. Uh, and also my website is Mike Bethune, MikeBethune.com. You can find me there, all those places. Awesome. And of course, we will put all of those notes and links in the show notes for you to check out. Michael, my friend, this has been absolutely phenomenal conversation. I think that you're going to bring a lot of light to people and a a lot of practical tools that they can use in their life to start to find this transformation. But my last question for you, my friend, is what does it mean to you to be unbroken? What it means to me to be unbroken is to know that you plan for life and then life happens and Life is less about what happens to you and how you handle it once it happens. You just have to find a way to take your power back from anything that threatens to rob you of your power. That's what it means to be me to be unbroken. It's beautifully said. And I believe we all have the ability to take our power back. Michael, my friend, thank you so much for being here. Unbroken Nation, thank thank you for listening. Please like, subscribe, comment, share, tell a friend. And until next time, my friends, be unbroken. I'll see ya. Unbroken Nation, hope that you just got a tremendous amount of value from today's episode. I want to know what you think. Please do me a favor and review, rate, and share the episode with three friends on social media today. It would mean the world if you did, because ultimately at the end of the day, creating community and connection is how we heal generational trauma in the world. And I need your help to do that on Broken Nation. So if you're on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you are, please like, comment, share, review. I want to know not only what you like about the show, but how I can make the show better, how I can make this further about helping you on your healing journey. So do me a favor. And when you do shoot me a screenshot of you making the review to my DM at Michael Unbroken on Instagram so that I can have a conversation with you, say hi, and more importantly, so I can share it with the Unbroken Nation. Thank you so much, my friend. Hey, my friends, we will be right back to the show, but I have a question for you. Are you struggling with the impact of childhood trauma? Well, know that you're not alone. I'm here to let you know that I'm starting a brand new weekly coaching group that includes a year of live coaching, accountability, support, habit and goal setting, and more. I'm starting a wait list for the group right now, and I'm only taking a handful of people. And I'll let you know that through this personalized coaching, we'll work together to help you understand how your childhood trauma has shaped your beliefs, behaviors, emotions, and will help you create a roadmap for healing and growth. Right now, you can schedule an absolutely free coaching session with me and get put on the wait list if you go to thinkunbroken.com.
My friends, it's your time to turn your trauma into triumph, breakdowns into breakthroughs, and become the hero of your own story. And I'm here to support you in doing that. Just go to thinkunbroken.com to register for a free coaching call with me and to get put on the wait list for the brand new weekly coaching program. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.